Eager is here this morning from Russia. He's one of our missionaries from Russia. And Eager, come and read and lead us this morning. Good morning. The Christ is risen. Amen. Book of Luke, chapter 24, starting with verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these words that describe women that were confused and scared and looking for the Lord in the place where he wasn't and thinking that he was dead. And Father, in this words we we see us <sighs> because father we sometimes forget words that we read and heard so many times and we live as if jesus wasn't reason or as if the fact that he was risen has nothing to do with our lives and so we are also can be scared and confused and father we this morning ask you please help us to live our lives according to this eternal truth that Jesus is risen that he conquered the death and let us build our lives on this fact. Let it be our motivation. And let the risen Lord be seen in our lives to the whole humankind. And let all people worship him, the risen Lord, with us. And in his precious name, we're praying to you. Amen. Thank you, Igor. 
Igor comes to us from St. Petersburg, Russia. Does a lot of good work there. Hey, and I just want to say, we've been praying for you and the church and the city. Um, unfortunately, we got to hear about uh, St. Petersburg for all the wrong reasons a couple of weeks ago with the terrorist attack on the subway. Um, there's a lot of bad news in the world, but thank you for reminding us this morning that there's a bigger story. There's Amen. good news. Yeah, that is always true. So thank good you, to be with you. Good to have you with us, brother. If you're visiting with us, we are so glad to have you with us. And you can follow along this morning in the bulletin. There's an outline also on version, which is a free app for your phone or mobile device. You can look under Preston Crest Live Events there and find the outline as well. There's not a big outline this morning. Pretty simple message. We're going to talk about that fact that Christ is risen. He is risen Indeed, we're going to talk about that this morning. Love those video announcements. First time we've done that. Uh, the elders budgeted for that this year, and we finally got, got it all ready. And so we'll get to see that again next week. We're going to show those uh, right before the worship service begins on Sunday mornings. It is all about trying to do a better job communicating. Uh, if you miss those, or really if you have any questions, you can go to the website, get all that information, or that bulletin that you should have been handed this morning is chock full of information, uh, maybe too much information, uh, chock full of all sorts of information about what is currently going on and what is coming up. How many of you guys have heard of that satirical news site, The Onion? Have you heard of that? Yeah. Uh, they just make stories up for fun, and, and what's really interesting is sometimes those stories uh, get picked up by the international media who don't realize that that website is just for fun. Uh, but sometimes they run a story that's not only amusing, but has some truth to it, and this one they ran a few years ago has a, I guess you could say, a biting truth, uh, a biting truth. The title of the story is, quote, World Death Rate Holds Steady. At 100%, all right? Here's the story. World death rate holds steady at 100%. World Health Organization officials expressed disappointment Monday at the group's finding that, despite the enormous efforts of doctors, rescue workers, and other medical professionals worldwide, the global death rate remains constant at 100%. Death a metabolic affliction causing total shutdown of all life functions has long been considered humanity's number one health concern. Responsible for 100% of all recorded fatalities worldwide, the condition has no cure. And then I love this next part. WHO Director General Dr. Gernst Blant said, I was really hoping... What with all those new radiology treatments, rescue helicopters, aerobics TV shows, and what have you, that we might at least make a dent in it this year? Unfortunately, he concludes, it would appear that the death rate remains constant and total as it has inviably since the dawn of time. But there was that one time... <laughs> There was that one exception, wasn't there? And this morning, we celebrate that beautiful exception that will become the rule. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. On the third day, Jesus was raised from death to life. 
He ascended to heaven where he now reigns at the right hand of God Almighty. Amen? Easter. That beautiful blip on death's unblemished record. And that remarkable promise that the Lord himself made that his resurrection is just a preview of coming attractions. That his resurrection is a preview of those coming attractions. And it is, in fact, the exception that will become the rule. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, But in fact, Christ has been raised from, from the dead. And he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. The first of a great harvest of all who will die. A 100% death rate. And Paul tells us there will be a 100% resurrection rate. Jesus is the first of all who will be raised from death to life. And what Jesus did was turn the grim certainty of death on its head. What Jesus did was offer us at Easter a glimpse of what is to come. And what Jesus did was defeat through his death, his burial, and resurrection, defeat sin and death and all the powers of hell. Amen. Hallelujah. According to the Bible, this is the euangelion. There's your Greek word of the day. Euangelion. Can you say that with me? Euangelion, which literally means the good news. The euangelion, or often translated into English Bibles as gospel. The good news, the euangelion, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, good news against the backdrop of all of the bad news, right? And the really bad news is that we are all guilty before a holy God of sin. None of us has an unblemished record. We have all committed sin against the person of God. That is the bad news. We all stand guilty and waiting for judgment, but for this, that Jesus' blood was shed for us, that through the gift of God Himself on the cross, the Son of God hanging there, giving His life, we have the hope and the promise the assurance, really, of being declared not guilty because His blood washes all of our sin away and His resurrection promises that we will also be raised from death to life. Listen to Paul's explanation of the good news and the centrality of this to our story. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-7, to Paul writes this, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news, of the euangelion that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you. 
if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Verse 3, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. So, Paul, what is most important? Christ died for our sins just as the Scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. He was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, many of whom are still alive, Paul writes, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all of the apostles. Got an outline this morning in the worship bulletin. We're going to fill this out pretty quickly, but I just want us to be very clear on what is of most importance, the good news. The first bullet point there is this. The good news centers around the death, the burial, and yes, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the euangelion. That's the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. He died on our behalf. He was buried and he was raised by the power of God from death to life for all of us. That is the message. That is the good news. The second bullet point there is this. The good news is, according to Paul, that which is, quote, most important. Say that with me. Most important. That is the most important thing. Now, when you open the Bible, the Bible talks about a lot of different things, doesn't it? There are a lot of subjects addressed in the Scriptures, and some of them concern very important matters. They concern the family, how to build a strong family. The Bible talks about your emotional well-being. The Bible talks about how we handle our finances. The Bible talks about a lot of those things. It shares the stories, beautiful stories, of women and men of faith throughout history who chose to believe in God. But look, while the Bible talks about a lot of important things, this is the most important. This is the center of the story, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is so central. Think about this. It is so central. It is so important that the Apostle Paul, when he writes this letter to the Corinthians, he says that we are all wasting our time if this did not happen. If Jesus did not raise from death to life, what we're doing today is a sick joke. Take Paul's word for it. Listen to what he says there, starting in verse 13. He says, for if, put a circle in your mind around that word, if, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, if there is truly a 100% rate of death being undefeated, Jesus was never raised from death to life, if Christ has not been raised either, and if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is what? It's useless. Your faith is useless. 
And we apostles, he says, we would all be liars, lying about God. For we have said that, Christ ra- that God raised Christ from the grave. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. And if, listen to this, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are to be what? Pitied. We are to be pitied more than anyone in the world. You talk about pushing your chips into the middle of the table. You talk about going all in in something. Paul says, if Easter didn't happen, this is a joke. And you are worthy of pity because you're wasting your time, you're wasting your life believing in something that did not happen. If, if Easter didn't happen, Paul basically says, our worship, our faith, our ministry, worthless, useless. Because the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the heart of the Bible. It is the center of God's story. And on that morning, in fact... The stone was rolled away. On that morning, in fact, Jesus, who had been murdered on that Roman cross, did in fact walk out of the grave alive. And Paul says, there are witnesses all over the place. You can still talk to them today, he says, who saw him alive after his death. So write this down, the next thing there. The good news is not recorded as myth or legend. It is recorded as a historical account with at least 513 eyewitnesses. A historical account with at least 513 eyewitnesses. The good news is not presented as fake news. The good news happened 513 eyewitnesses, probably more. That's the account we get. That many people saw him alive. Some of them touched him. Some of them ate breakfast or another meal with him. So check this out, the next bullet point there. The good news for all who believe results in victory over death and results in salvation, results in eternal salvation. Now, if you were helping us earlier with communion, you can go ahead and get into place. We're going to serve the bread here in just a couple of moments. Thank you. But I got a little bit more to say before we pray over the bread. This morning, as we break bread together, if you're visiting with us, you are welcome. Please join us in breaking the bread this morning. We remember this bread as a symbol of the body of Christ which was offered for us on the cross for our salvation. And we are reminded as we break that bread that symbolizes that body that the body of Christ didn't stay dead. Death could not hold him. And as we break bread, I want to encourage you kind of to look around the room. There are Christians all around you. And remember that this is also the body of Christ in a symbolic sense. The body calls the church the body of Christ. And we gather this morning, we gather as witnesses of Christ's resurrection. Okay, yes, we're not eyewitnesses as were the 513, but we are witnesses. 
We have witnessed the outpouring of His grace into our lives. We have witnessed the love that God has for us demonstrated through Jesus Christ. We have witnessed His resurrection power at work in our lives. We are witnesses. And so you might look around the more, the room, this room this morning as we partake and look at these witnesses of God's power, resurrection power at work in their lives. Let's pray. Bow your head with me. Lord, thank you for offering your body for us on the cross. Thank you. It is your death, your burial, and your resurrection that gives us hope. And this morning we are surrounded by this other manifestation of your body, the church. It's in your honor, Lord Jesus, that in this place, right here, right now, as your family, as your people, the redeemed, the church, we break bread together and remember your victory over sin and death. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. So that passage we read uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, obviously written to this city, these people living in Corinth back in the first century. Have you ever wondered what were the headlines like back then? What was going on in terms of the news stories of the day in that first century city in the Roman Empire? Well, there was plenty of news. Plenty of bad news as well. There was news of political scandal and intrigue. Corrupt members of the Roman Senate. Sexual scandals involving public officials, infidelities there, even in the household of Caesar. There were headlines about wars. Wars with the Parthians in the east. Wars with the Germanic tribes in the north. Think about this. There were, there were stories on a regular basis about domestic terrorism. The Roman Empire, especially in the eastern provinces, personnel and people representing the empire were being attacked and killed, destroyed. Acts of terrorism by relig religious fanatics. We read in our history books about disease, pandemics, and famines killing multitudes at that time. There are so many ways in which their news was a lot like our news today. So many similarities. And in that passage that we read, Paul comes to us and he does something very important. Paul pulls us away from our news stories, from what is going on in the world around us, and it may be in your family, or it may be in your state, or in your, in your country. He pulls us away from that, the violence, the terror, the sickness, the famine. And he draws our attention to the gospel. He draws our attention to something greater. 
And he says, essentially, don't get so lost in the smaller stories. Don't get so lost in your bad news that you forget about that big banner headline across the front page of history. Christ is risen. Don't forget that. That's the good news. That is the greater story. Sin and death conquered. Christ risen. Nothing can ever change the fact of that good news story. And I thought as I was working through it this week, not only about those big headlines going on, you know, on the network news or in the newspaper or your favorite news website, I thought about what are those headlines in our lives, those bad news stories that keep us up at night, that worry us. I started thinking about mine. I started thinking about some in this church family. What are those stories? And I came up with a few headlines Single mom jobless for fifth consecutive month. I thought about this headline. Couple continues struggle with infertility. I thought about this bad news headline. Rebellious teen concerns parents. I thought about this news headline. Chemo treatment, ineffective. Jesus knows all about your bad news headlines. He knows what worries you. He knows what keeps you up at night. He knows what's on your heart. He knows everything going on in your life. And this morning... He wants to call you back to the headline, the good news. And out of that story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, there are other good news headlines that spin off of that, aren't there? How about this? Forgiveness from sin found in the blood of the Lamb. How about this headline? Death defeated, tomb empty. Hope prevails. How about this headline? True purpose discovered in life. Love God, love others. How about this good news headline? Resurrection power unleashed in the middle of a dying marriage. Mm. Or city changed by the power of Christ's church. Good news headlines. If you're going to help us serve the fruit of the vine this morning, go ahead and get into position. Here in just a couple of minutes, we'll share that together. Well, the Lord knows that we see plenty of bad news. That's one thing Jesus always is. He's always honest. He's always honest. Listen to His words. This morning, he says in John 16, 33, he says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, he tells the truth, right? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. 
I have overcome the world. In this world, Jesus says, you're going to have some bad news headlines. In this world, he says, there's going to be some trouble. But what? Take heart. Say that with me. Take heart. With conviction. Take heart. Look at your neighbor this morning. Look him in the eye and tell him, take heart. Yeah, take heart. We've all got some bad news stories, but we can take heart. Jesus himself says, look, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. You're mine. You're going to overcome the world. And Easter reminds us of that. It reminds us that we belong to this greater story. We belong not just to history. We belong to his story. The other stuff, the painful stuff, the injustice, the bad news. Yes, that stuff is real. That stuff hurts. And Jesus looks at us and he says, but, but take heart. This stuff's not going to have the last word. Your story is bigger than the temporary troubles of this world. Jesus says, because I overcame this world. And that victory is yours. Now let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes in remembrance of this victory. And Lord, we remember this morning that, that your blood connects us to that greater story, your story. We know that even before you came into the world for centuries, your people, the Jewish people, shared a meal much like this one in order to remember their liberation from Egypt. They celebrated the way that you intervened in history, took down the world's great superpower of the day, and rescued them from captivity, from bondage. They celebrated that as they broke the bread and drank the wine together. They recalled the blood of the Passover lamb that was symbolic of their rescue, of their deliverance. And this morning, Lord Jesus, as we share this meal that you have called us to share together, we remember you. We remember your redemption story. We remember that Exodus story where sin was defeated, where death was defeated, where the powers of hell were defeated. We celebrate that together. Grant us your peace. Grant us your perspective. Help us to take heart in that great story. Overwhelm our bad news with your good news. We pray this in your name, in the name of Christ. Amen. There are two Christian practices, very ancient practices, that date all the way back to the Easter story, the original Easter story. Two Christian practices that are tangible physical reminders of the good news, of the story that we have been celebrating today. One of them is a remembrance, and one of them is a reenactment, okay? 
The remembrance is communion or Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. It is that remembrance of the gospel story. We've remembered the body, the blood that was shed for us. We've considered what Jesus did for us on that occasion, and we've been reminded of that this morning. And while the Lord's Supper remembers Easter, baptism reenacts Easter. Listen to what Paul told Christians living in the Colossian churches. He said this in Colossians 2, verse 12 about baptism. He said, For you were what? You were buried with Christ. When did that happen? I don't remember being buried with Christ. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Communion, it remembers. Baptism, it reenacts the gospel. It is that moment where you've come to faith and you put on that greater story as your own. You join yourself to Christ's resurrection story. And it's a shame, honestly, it really is, that so many churches have come to downplay these beautiful Christ-ordained practices given by Jesus to help us keep the big story at the center of who we are. It's a shame. Some take communion only you know, once a month. Some churches take communion only once a quarter. Some churches don't take it together as a collective family ever. And that's a shame. Not a week goes by here at Preston Crest that we don't pause and break bread and drink from the cup and remember the most important, the most important, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Remember the gospel. And I'll tell you this, okay? I think I know why churches don't do it every week. It's kind of, it's kind of a hassle. <laughs> we have to pour like 1,200 little cups of grape juice this morning. We do that every... It's a bit of a hassle, honestly. And then find guys to serve that to everybody and and sometimes something gets spilled. It's a bit of a hassle. And it's a little bit weird, okay? Someone, maybe you're visiting today, you've never ever been to church, or you don't remember the last time you were at church. It's a little bit strange. But it is a reminder ordained by Christ of the most important thing, His death, His burial, His resurrection. And so we celebrate that together. And at baptism, frankly, I'm not sure... Why so many churches, whether rural churches or big community churches, I'm just not sure why they downplay baptism. I mean, I've heard this and you've heard this. Baptism, oh, it's not linked to salvation. Are you kidding me? That's what baptism is about. That's the theme. Reenacting that moment. It's all about the salvation of mankind. I don't know why it's downplayed. I, I, I don't understand that at all. You know, it, oh, it's, you don't need to be baptized. You can wait. We'll have a baptismal service in four months or three months. 
Oh, it'll be really cool. I don't know why we do that. Why we, oh, you can put that off in the future someday, you know, not, no big deal. Jesus himself did not downplay the importance of baptism, did he? It's in his last words in the Gospel of Matthew. It's among his last words in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus said this in Mark 16, 16. Jesus, who was, who was murdered and buried and raised, he said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Say that with me. Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. I'm not making that up, okay? We're not coming up with that. That's not a Church of Christ invention, right? And I just want you to take a second. Leave that up there. Just take a second and just quietly just read those words and hear the voice of Jesus speaking those words. You see, it's not a work that you perform. It's not somehow you purchasing your salvation. Baptism is a gift that you receive. It's reenacting that story. Jesus gave his life for you, was buried, was raised for you, and you wear that story as your own. When you become a believer and are baptized in water, that water, you are covered up in that water, your sin, your old life, your hopelessness, all buried with Jesus. And as you raise out of that water, it's like Jesus walking out of the tomb. And that's your story now. That's your story. Here in this place, we honor God. We honor Christ by reenacting the gospel every time someone puts their faith in Christ. Whenever someone chooses Him as Lord and Savior, we baptize them in the name of Christ as He ordained. Good morning and good news on this good morning. <laughs> it is a good morning when you remember the Easter story. It is a good morning when you think back on that victory that Jesus experienced over all of our greatest enemies. So will you this morning receive the good news as your story? Will you join your story with that great story? Will you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior? Will you wear in baptism all that He won for you on the cross? Will you do that? You can do that today. You can do that before you leave the property this morning. Be raised with Christ to walk in a brand new life. Maybe this morning you just need prayers. Look, I would love to talk with you about baptism, about anything else you have a question with. One of our shepherds or other ministers or, or most of our members here would love to just sit down and share that. with. So just talk to me about it. Maybe it's while we're singing here in a moment. Or maybe it's after, after the service this morning. Talk to me about what your questions are. About, especially if you have a desire this morning to put on Christ's baptism. Talk to me about that. If you need to pray with somebody, get with them and pray with them this morning as we continue to celebrate the good news. Let's stand together as we celebrate.